The reappearance this week of Paul Keating at the National Press Club after an absence of 26 years does demonstrate one thing at least, that each new Prime Minister of Australia is worse than the one previous. Put another way, Keating is streets ahead of Morrison. Keating correctly points out that Australia cannot go to war with China over Taiwan. It certainly cannot go into battle with the Chinese Navy using American attack-class nuclear submarines designed in Virginia in the 1990s. Keating should know he had his own disaster with the Collins-class submarines, which hardly ever left port and never had sufficient trained personnel to put the entire fleet to sea. Those boats built by Keating and Admiral Kim Beasley are best retired to a children's playground in some remote town for all the good they have done. Despite Keating's attempt to dispel the confusion over China, the Australian media chose to attack him. Sydney Morning Herald, The Age and even the ABC's Q&A program compared by Stan Grant. This is not helpful when you have idiots like Peter Dutton in government saying things like it would be inconceivable that Australia as a US alliance partner would not join in the military action. Is Dutton serious? Does he want another Vietnam? In, what, in your prescription of a sensible relationship between Australia and China, is there space for Australia to raise human rights issues? We should always speak out on human rights. We should always reserve the right to speak out on human rights, whether it's the Uyghurs in China. But can I also say, it's the Muslims in Kashmir. You know, here's, here's Modi, President, Prime Minister Modi, our new friend, who has suspended, repudiated, uh, the, uh, the, the autonomy of Kashmir, which is 94% Muslim, no, no wave of indignation in the Sydney Morning Herald or the Age about that. I mean, India's an ally. We don't talk about allies, we only talk about national enemies, you know. So I believe Australia should always have the right to speak in support of, but it can't be, and this is the key point, you can speak powerfully about the rights of citizens of these countries, but it can't be the whole conversation. That doesn't displace the wider country to country, nation to nation conversation about these states. In other words, you can't let the human rights discussion supplant wholly and completely the relationship between the countries. Keating is right to criticise the government's hypocrisy over Kashmir. Australian government would rather sell coal and tertiary education to India than criticise that government's appalling human rights record in the independent state of Kashmir. On that score, India is clearly as bad as Israel's occupation of Palestine. But you never heard Keating criticise Israel, nor did he criticise Indonesia's genocidal occupation of East Timor. Keating was the Minister for Northern Development in 1975 when the Whitlam government made its last mistake in office, allowing Indonesia to invade East Timor. And a few months later, it was Fraser's first mistake in government 
to turn a blind eye to the killing of Timorese by the Indonesian military. Ignoring Indonesian military abuses of human rights in East Timor over a period of 25 years, Keating put together a treaty with Suharto in 1995. I put together a security treaty with President Suharto and the government of Indonesia and the army of Indonesia with Kansas words. It's the last thing I did as Prime Minister in November 1995, right? John Howard lost that with President Habibi over our skiting over Timor. You know, Habibi suspended it. Keating was right to say that the United States cannot control three oceans, Atlantic, Indian and Pacific, especially when the Chinese economy is bigger and is growing at a faster rate than the United States. However, you never heard Keating criticise US imperialism or hear him criticising Henry Kissinger when he gave the Indonesian government the OK to invade East Timor in 1975. Henry Kissinger said something which is worth repeating here, which is pretty much my own view, if I can find it. He said he did not believe China has a military-based policy designed to achieve military domination, nor is its policy about annexing contiguous territories, in other words, the countries around it. He thought its overarching policy objective was to keep the US away from Chinese borders. He said... He did not believe China wants a confrontation with the United States. Being Chinese, the Chinese will develop a concept of coexistence. But the challenge for America and the, under, the underpinnings of American greatness, a return to American greatness, is its own remoralisation. No more unlimited attacks like Iraq, Afghanistan, like the Arab Spring, uh, like knocking off Shah Reza, knocking off Mossadegh in Iran, like the fight in Vietnam. Setting aside the fact that it was the British government that orchestrated the military coup against Mossadegh in Iran, Keating's social democratic critique of the US never stretches to a critique of the US capitalist system and the imperialism that keeps it afloat. Keating even quoted Kissinger on China, but he left out that the United States government had threatened war with China over the Taiwan Straits as long ago as 1958. The truth is, the United States has left its run too late. Keating is right, there will be no war over Taiwan, and if there were, Australia should keep well clear of it. Glenn Gibson at the press club asked Paul Keating if he could help with diplomatic relations with China. Keating had a strategy of building up the Australian bourgeoisie in order, in his terms, to break with the branch office mentality inside Australia and so to strengthen it as a regional power. So in the National Press Club, Keating opposed the purchase of nuclear subs and the ACUS agreement. He prefers to build nationalist pride rather than dependence on the United States and Britain. Paul Keating wants to build the son of Collins here in Australia. Yet his own government oversaw the demise of the Australian manufacturing industry and particularly 
the demise of the automotive industry. He questions buying US nuclear subs, saying, what's that got to do with the defence of Australia? And what possible impact could we have militarily with eight submarines? These Virginia-class submarines were designed in the 1990s. By the time we have a half a dozen of them, it'll be 2045 or 2050. They will be 50 or 60 years old. In other words, our new submarines will be old tech, like buying an old 747. And here we are. We're going to wait 20 odd years to get the first one and 35 or 40 years to get the lot for what will be very old boats. On ABC's Q&A, the host Stan Grant suggested that China would be very concerned about the threat of the Australian Navy having eight nuclear submarines, despite the fact that they're not yet built, may never be built, and their delivery date is way after 2040. By contrast, China built its first nuclear-powered submarine in 1974. With the world's largest armed forces, China has increasingly worked to advance its naval capabilities. Beijing has at least 59 operational submarines, 12 are nuclear-powered, and half of those are SSBNs. Much of the public debate on commercial and public media is based on a premise of inflated importance of Australia, both in world and in respect of Chinese politics. Keating never gave up on the alliance with the United States, even though China is a major trading partner for Australia. China is now so big and is going to grow so large, it, it ha will have no precedent in modern economic or social history. And therefore, our challenge is to be, is to have the United States remain as a balancing and conciliating power in Asia, which I've said over and over again, but have it come to a point of accommodation where it acknowledges China's preeminence in East Asia and the Asian mainland. Experts from the Independent Peace Network, IPAN, have made the following press release and have included an interim report on the Australia-US alliance. Independent and Peaceful Australia Network has launched an inquiry into the Australia-US alliance. Part of this was prompted by Australian government pronouncing that it intends to buy nuclear submarines. Kelly Tranter, chair of the inquiry, lawyer and human rights activist said, We have received a tremendous number of submissions, many of which point to the sidelining of the Australian public from defence and foreign policy decisions, particularly in relation to its alliance with the United States. Foreign policy is rarely discussed publicly and almost never democratically decided. However, the reluctance of politicians to discuss foreign policy is by no means reflective. An independent and peaceful Australia is paramount. So that's all there is from me, 4PR Voice of the People. Let's go out with the Jumping Fences song, The Quiet of the Winter Moon.
It murmurs. 